G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. But my, my grandpa Noel and his brother grew up as, as close mates. They both committed their lives to follow Jesus. And when World War II broke out, they made an agreement that if they ever had to go to war, uh, they would enlist together. But one Saturday morning, when at Port Elliot, Grandpa and Stan, his future at that point, brother-in-law, uh, spontaneously enlisted and were able to get into the, the ambulance corps. Oscar wasn't able to enlist for another six weeks and by that time there were 5,000 others that had uh, enlisted and he didn't have a choice where he went. And so he enlisted in the 8th Division Armament. And not long after leaving Australia, Oscar was posted as missing in action. And the family had to suffer as so many others did. In that unknown world, there was no more information that was available. So Grandpa served in the Middle East and PNG. And after he was discharged, he spent time in and out of the Repat Hospital. uh, He was suffering with recurring malaria. On one occasion, a nurse came in to to speak with Grandpa. um, And after she left, the patient in a bed near him asked if he was related to an Oscar Jacobs because they shared the same last name and he sounded like him. Grandpa, of course, told him that Oscar was his brother. This patient had been captured also and had been on a lifeboat with Oscar. He was able to tell Grandpa that he was there when his brother Oscar died. He was one of the survivors. Oscar's parents and other family, including his fiancée Gwen, were able to come to the hospital and hear from this man's own account of what had happened in those final days of of Oscar's life. And this is how it went. While serving in Malaya, Oscar's battalion was captured by the Japanese. They were taken to Burma to work on the railway line and he was a prisoner of war there for 18 months. He was very astute, fit and quick thinking. He used his wits to survive in the dreadful conditions and to look after his mates. Due to his fitness and health, he was chosen as a member of the gang of 900 to go to work in Singapore after it had fallen to the Japanese. They set out from the Burma camp into Thailand and then into Cambodia by rail. They then travelled down by boat, uh, down the Mekong to Saigon where they stayed for some time. And the conditions there were heaps better than they had been in Burma. And some of the men were able to actually put on some weight. But after four months, um, sorry, unfortunately the conditions, I've just lost my place. Uh, From Saigon, the prisoners were transferred to Singapore and unfortunately the conditions in Singapore were even worse than in Burma. And after four months, the Allies were put on the ship Rikuyo Maru, bound for Japan. And due to there being no Red Cross sign on the Rikuyo Maru, the ship was torpedoed by the American submarine USS Sea Line 11, believing it to be full of Japanese soldiers. A group of prisoners were able to get onto a life raft and they were there for three days, covered in oil from the oil slick, barely more than skeletons. They had terrible hookworm from the shocking conditions of the POW camp. Because Oscar was exceptionally fit and resilient and was a good swimmer, he helped others onto bits of board or anything to keep them afloat. On returning from rescuing yet another mate, he was urged to stop before he collapsed. But after a break, he would swim out to search for more survivors. In time, the men were sweltering 
as they went without shelter in the scorching sun near the equator. They would lower themselves down into the water to get some respite from the sun. But some failed to hold on and drifted away. Others deliriously tried to swim away. These two Oscar set out to rescue. For three days he had continued to do this. Finally, he died from exposure and exhaustion. Oscar was 27 when he drowned. Later that same day, which was September the 15th, 1944, some, including the man relaying the story, were rescued by an allied boat that was passing. I remember hearing that story as a little kid and just hearing it over and over again throughout the years, hearing different details and then only towards the very end of his life hearing that directly from Grandpa himself. And it is a, a story that we are proud of as a family. And I love the story, but I also hate it. I love that he was able to demonstrate the love of Christ by giving himself so sacrificially. But I hate it that he died. I hate it that he died the day that he would have been rescued if he had have kept um, alive. I hate it that they were torpedoed um, by the allies just because they didn't have the flag up. I hate it that he suffered in all the ways that he did. But the reason I'm telling that story today is for obvious reasons. There's parallels. There's parallels with what Jesus has done with what my uncle Oscar did. And it's interesting, like that's the first time I've told that story in a long time without crying. I spent a number of um, attempts reading it this morning. I was like, I just need to practice this so I can read it without tears um, and was unsuccessful every attempt until now. It just, it messes with me. And I'm not sure exactly what it is that gets me. I'm not sure if it is the Christ-likeness and the sacrifice or if it is just the tragedy of it and the fact that it just sucks that so many were deprived of getting to know him. Like his fiance Gwen was deprived. Like she was basically a, a widow, but then she wasn't. It was this weird uh, situation for her from then on. And um, it sucks. But I just want to share three distinctions with, with Uncle Oscar's story. So three things that are, are different about the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf to the sacrifice of my Uncle Oscar. With Jesus, he didn't die trying to secure our life. His death is our life. Also, we now have greater access to Jesus than we have access to anybody else. Whereas with Oscar, obviously, that access was gone. And thirdly, true knowledge of his death leads to true life for us all. We'll look at these a little bit more now. So he didn't die trying to secure our life. His death is our life. So Jesus knew that he was going to die. And if you think of it in terms of a ticket, it wasn't that he died trying to secure a ticket for us. It was that his death was the ticket that we needed. The cost for our life was his life. He wasn't trying to preserve his own life at the same time as trying to save us. So he died as our direct substitute. He paid the debt that we could never repay. 
And this is something that we do adopt into so many of the stories that we tell and that we have told over time. Has anyone ever read A Tale of Two Cities? Know the story of A Tale of Two Cities? No, wrong choice. All right, moving on. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. There are so many different stories that have this um, feature of, of substitute where someone knows that the choice they make will actually result in their death, but it preserves the life of someone else because it all points to the ultimate story, which is the ultimate reality in what Jesus has done, that his death is our substitute. Secondly, we now have greater access to him than we did before he died. So his guaranteed death, so he knew that he was going to die, it led to his own guaranteed life eternal. It is true of Jesus that he can never die again. And the thing that gets me about Uncle Oscar's death is that we didn't have access to him. Like he died, you know, whatever it was, 30 odd years, 40 years before I was born. But for those that were alive during that time, they were deprived of continuing relationship with him. But here is Jesus who did die, but then he came back. And so I remember... um, watching this video of a a lady who was flanked by these two men, sort of security guard sort of style. And she's describing how one of them actually took a bullet for her and saved her life. Obviously, he survived and uh, he was able to recover and he continued as her bodyguard. And she was describing how much confidence she had in this guy that she knew had his back. He had done it before and he was willing to do it again. He had taken a bullet for her. And for us, we have this confidence. So if you were to interview those men that were on the raft, do you have confidence that Oscar has your back? They would say yes, but then his life is extinguished And he's no longer able to be in relationship with them. But with Jesus, we have confidence because he went to that length for us. But now he lives in such a way that he cannot die. And so he is invulnerable. That relationship that we have with him and to him is invulnerable. So it is better than any other relationship more significant than any other relationship. The fact that we can actually know him and he can't be taken away from us. It's massive. And then true knowledge of his death leads to true life for us. The knowledge of Jesus' death brings more than comfort and pride. And it was a grace and a mercy after all those years of not knowing for the family when they found out what had happened with Oscar. There was the initial grief of finding out that he's missing in action. There's the grief of telling other family, of telling people in the community. There's the ongoing grief of hearing of others that have died within their community. The, even the grief of, of having Noel come back into the fold, but there's no Oscar and it's still unknown. But then you have the final grief where it's resolved, but now there's no hope. All hope of him returning is extinguished because they have the story. But there is a comfort and there is, I think, a healthy pride for the family in the manner in which Oscar died. But it doesn't compare to what knowledge 
of Jesus' death and his resurrection means for us. Like for me, if I suddenly found that I had 20 bucks in my pocket, no, it's a tissue. If that had been 20 bucks, it would have been way better because it would be a surprise. No, not that one either. If you find that you have 20 bucks in your pocket, it didn't suddenly arrive there. It was there the whole time, but it's only in your knowledge that you have that money that you can do something with it. And with the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, it operates in a very similar way for us. If we understand what that means and we receive the power of that, we can actually do something with it. There's a story of a family who saved up everything in order to travel out to Australia by boat. So they sell everything, they bet all their chips on a new life in Australia. They get onto the boat and they've scrimped and saved in order to get on so they can't afford to buy any food on the ship. They're down in the lowest deck and they've got enough food with them to make the journey. And they get through the months and months of the voyage and then the dad has a surprise. He's like, guess what? We're going to feast this last night. I've actually saved up some more money. We're going to the top deck and we are going to enjoy the buffet and it's going to be amazing. And so... They get up to the buffet. Dad's got his tickets. He's got his money. He's ready to spend it. And he goes up to the attendant and says, I'd like to order dinner for me and my family. And the attendant says, can I see your ticket, please? Hands over the ticket. Looks at the ticket and says, sir, you don't need to pay for this meal. In fact, this whole voyage, this buffet has been available for you. And your whole family. Ten bucks in your back pocket is good. (laughs) Having access to everything that you need is so much better. And the reality of the life that we have because of Jesus' death on our behalf is that we have a table prepared for us. You might be familiar with Psalm 23. Scotty just read it to us before. You have prepared a table for me. In the presence of my enemies. He has given us everything we need. doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It doesn't say in the presence of my friends. It says in the presence of my enemies. Even in the midst of hardship, he gives us everything that we need. We have access to these things. But it's a dual thing, isn't it? The money needs to be in the pocket and you need to know that it's in your pocket. He's good for it. And what he has done, has done is sufficient for our freedom and to provide us with what we need in any and every situation. But we need to know that we've got that. That's the only thing that lacks for any of us in any given moment. It's not in his provision. It's in our understanding of it, our belief in it, our trust. That is the lack. And what an opportunity we have to do something about that. Because of these things, we have confidence. We're going to read a scripture together in just a moment, but before we do, I just want to build the hype for a little while. Is he with me? Yeah, for this? Let's go. We have confidence to enter the most holy place in the temple. And that doesn't mean much to an Aussie in 2022 most of the time. If you spend a fair bit of time in church and that sort of stuff, maybe it does. 
But for most people, confidence to enter the most holy place in the temple, it's like... (laughs) But for a Jew to have confidence to enter the most holy place in the temple is a ridiculous thought. If you, as a regular Jew, were going to try and get into the most holy place, like you're probably going to get crash tackled to the ground a whole bunch of steps before you could get into that place, but you wouldn't even try. Because even if you could stealthily make your way behind the curtain and into the most holy place, you would expect to die. Because if you enter into the place where the holy God dwells as a sinner, you will die. Only one person once a year could enter into that place and never without a sacrifice and never without a massive list of preparation in order to do. Had to follow all these instructions in order to enter in. And yet, as some of you will be aware, when Jesus died, one of the physical things that happened, that again seems really weird, is that the temple in the curtain, the temple that separated the most holy place from the holy place, was torn in two. This was a chunky curtain, and it was torn from top to bottom. When he died, the temple curtain was torn in two. You're like, okay. But the symbolism, a physical reality, has massive spiritual implications. It's declaring that this room that could only be entered by one special person and only on the Day of Atonement and only with all this preparation was suddenly a reality that was available to everyone. And so what we're about to read in Hebrews chapter 10 is massive, particularly for us, unless we have any Jews here today. Maybe we do. Certainly for me, as an unclean Gentile, that's another level again to be able to enter into the most holy place. If you have a Bible with you, please open it up to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, If you've got a, a phone with you, you can Google it. You can Google Hebrews 10 um, and you'll find it on Bible Gateway or one of those. There's Bibles here as well. It says these words, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Whoa. Again, this this concept by the blood of Jesus, another weird thing that Christians talk about. It's by the blood. And we're going to sing about it in a little bit. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the concept of the blood, it goes back to, to Cain and Abel, one of those famous Bible stories from the very beginning, the first murder where Cain murders his brother Abel. And God says that Abel's blood cries out to him from the ground. A couple of chapters later than this in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, we hear that the blood of Jesus speaks something better, speaks better things or a better word than the blood of Abel. And the way that's generally understood is that the blood of Abel is crying out about his guilt Cain needs to be dealt with. He's guilty of my blood. Whereas the blood of Jesus 
screams out. It cries out, but not about our guilt. It cries out about our righteousness because of what he has done. And so instead of the priest who goes through all these steps in order to be clean enough to go into the Holy of Holies, we actually boldly enter and he's the one that deals with our need for cleansing. He is the one that cleanses us. In a similar way to how you don't clean yourself so that you can have a shower, you get into the shower to get clean. You don't clean yourself to come to God. You don't have all this list of once you've done this and once you've done that, then you can come to him. It's like, no, no, come as you are. And he is the ultimate shower. He takes care of whatever needs to be taken care of. And that is for all of us, regardless of our church attendance, regardless of whatever factor you might put in there. We all need his cleansing. And we all need that declaration of Jesus' blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Verse 20 says that after saying that we have confidence or boldness to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain. And this is equating that curtain that was torn in two with Jesus' body. Again, this has got some weird aspects to it, but let's go with it and let's get the gold from it. Through the curtain, that is his body. So we enter through his body. But fortunately, the way that everything has been set up in this covenant that we're in, like no longer we need to sacrifice stuff in order to cleanse ourselves because he sacrificed himself. And in remembering that, we don't do anything with blood or with flesh. We drink juice or wine and we eat a cracker or some bread. And that reminds us of his actual flesh and his actual blood that was spent for us. But we need to know what it symbolizes. And that in the same way as the priest would go in through the curtain, the only way that we have access is because we go in through his body, which is broken for us, which is given for us. And we enter into the most holy place where we have this intimate relationship with God because of what he has done. Verse 21, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And it continues on with some more exhortations of things that we can do for ourselves and for others to remind each other of this. Because every day we're invited to enter in. Every day we're invited to have this relationship with him and to have confidence with him, boldness with him. Hallelujah. I'd like to invite the band to come up and we're going to to sing again. So, in summary, 
He didn't die accidentally. He died intentionally for us. His death for us opens the way for us to be in relationship with him forever. It deals with all the stuff that would keep us from him. And so now we have a boldness with him. We have access to him and it's invulnerable. What a privilege. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you afresh and we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see you more clearly. We ask that you would show us the reality of who you are and what you've done and what that means for us. We need you and we thank you that you are here. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're for us. Hallelujah. And amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I hope you're encouraged and challenged by um, my Uncle Oscar in a similar way to me. The goal is not that we would be all like Uncle Oscar. The goal is that we would be more like Jesus, like Uncle Oscar was, if you get what I mean. And this world, like that situation he found himself in at the end of his life was pretty messed up, covered in oil, barely more than skeletons, and he was doing the best he could to save a bunch of dying people. We find ourselves in all sorts of different situations. What we need is more people more like Jesus. What we need is more people who start from that position of receiving the amazing gift of grace that's only found in Jesus so that it's the most natural thing to give that to others as well. Let's be people who boldly receive his gift so that we've got something to share with others as well. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours now and forever. Amen.